Iguodala, and here it comes. He got it! The Warriors have won on a game-winning shot by Andre Iguodala! Live in the entertainment capital of the world. A spit screen. Hosey will defend. Oh! LeBron James with no record for human life! It's the T.C. Martin Show. to get your daily prescription from the doctor. The soul says, hey, pass a big ticket. T.C. Martin. Oh, here comes the Birdman. Flapping his wings and soaring for a sweet flush. When you're aerodynamically designed with that hairdo, you can do those kinds of things with that sweet mohawk. The doctor is now in. Uno, dos, tres. Ole. Ole. Number two here on this thunderous Thursday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. You miss any part of the show, you know where to go. TCMartinShow.com. Check out our interview from uh, the other day with Houston Nutt talking about his thoughts regarding the Barry Odom hire for UNLV. So uh, Houston Nutt, hey, he's SEC country. Barry Odom comes from SEC country from the last uh, three seasons there at Arkansas. And then, of course, uh, the four seasons he was a head coach at the University of Missouri. And as Houston Nutt said in the uh, interview that uh, in our conversation, that he has some of his former assistant coaches were working with Barry Odom uh, at Arkansas and uh, in Missouri. So uh, there's a tie there. But Houston Nutt likes the hire. Again, Barry Odom, we talked about it at length yesterday, introduced as UNLV's new head coach. And uh, takes over uh, immediately. So he had a lot of good things to say. He definitely won the press conference. But most coaches usually do win the press conference. And uh, we will uh, see how Barry Odom uh, reacts. But we know that one thing, he is very excited to be here. He was interested in this job before it came open. He told the story, which we uh, played on the show yesterday, where he visited the campus uh, going back last spring, snuck into the Fertitta football complex, and... Uh, you know, got to go up to the second floor before someone said, Hey, I don't think you're supposed to be here. But, uh, he had an interest in this job, uh, going back to, uh, last spring when he's in here recruiting for the University of Arkansas. But, uh, yes, he is the new UNLV head coach. And, uh, when that job came open, he said he wanted it. And uh, he reached out to Eric Harper. They had long phone discussions, had long in person meetings. And uh, as we know, two days ago, he was named UNLV head coach. Uh, good press conference there yesterday. So again, that is up on the website as well, too. If you go to, to yesterday's show during the first hour, the first segment, you can hear uh, what Eric Harper had to say, as well as Barry Odom, the new head coach at UNLV. All right, continuing on here in hour number two, we start handicapping and looking ahead here at week number 14 in the NFL. And uh, join us now, our uh, sportsbook director, Extraordinaire, as I like to call him, the Vice President of Race and Sports at the Superbook over at the Westgate Las Vegas. Jay Cornegay joins us. What's going on, Denver? Well, it's nice. <laughs> I just got a little promotion there. I went from director to vice president yes, in like yeah. like eight seconds. It's yeah. pretty cool. I do. Exactly. Yeah. How about all of the above? You know, El Presidente, <laughs> should we put that on your shoulders too? Or, you know? I'm... Yeah, that's fine. I, I still have the same parking spot, but okay. <laughs> Speaking of his parking spot, I you know I, I do not see the sign out there that has the, my name on the parking spot out there. I mean, about half of those uh, those parking spots, you know, they're they're placard and all this other kind of stuff. I I don't know if you're you're repaving my parking spot or what, but I think I need a little, just a little VIP treatment there, Mister President. Yeah, well, they you know they're really sensitive of what we put on those signs, and um, we you know we are prohibited from saying certain things you know uh so i'm not sure if you're ever going to see that oh okay uh maybe so may- yes i'm sorry yeah, I, okay I, I just heard you an introduction of barry odom right yes who was the other gentleman i just caught the end of that so i haven't heard anything i've been kind of busy oh um, the, who, I, who i was talking about 
Yeah. Okay. No, I was talking about uh, Houston Nutt. Remember? So Houston Nutt is a regular oh, yeah. on, on, on our show. He's a good friend. And so Houston actually, he knows Barry a little bit because, you know, Houston's been with CBS Sports ever since he uh, uh, left Ole Miss years ago. And before that, he was the head coach at Arkansas. And we can go way back. I mean, Houston was the head coach at Boise State as well, too. But, you know, in his thoughts yesterday when we were talking to him about Barry Odom, he was saying, no, this is a, this is a good hire in, in some some of Houston Nuts' assistant coaches uh, actually worked with Barry Odom at both Missouri and Arkansas, so he endorses them big time. Oh, great, great! Because I know, you know, Rebel Nation. I've heard some rumblings a little bit, you know, and I know that it wasn't a name, you know. No disrespect to Coach Odom, I don't know. I'm just telling you what I heard, and it, and and I wish him all the best. And I, and I'm, you know, I, I'm excited to see the change. You know, I mean, we we get. Uh, you know, we've we've gone through this as Rebel fans over the years. Um, I'm hoping that he can turn things around. Um, but, you know, people are like, going, well, it feels like they it was like not their first choice or it was their third choice. I go, I don't know. He's an SEC coach. He was 500 in the SEC, um, which is, you know, better than half of the teams in the SEC. So, um I, you know, you got to give him a chance. You got to see where I, I, I heard him speak for the first time the other day. I thought it was very, I mean, he sounds like a football coach, mm-hmm. you know, when you just hear his voice, you know, and, it, and he just uh, kind of grabs your attention like, like your dad would or something. You know, you got to, you better pay attention to this guy. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully he can turn things around here. Here's the thing, Jay, and you're right. It, it's, it's fans that will say that and, and, I don't want to knock people, but a lot of these people that are talking, they're not college football enthusiasts or really follow it. And Barry Odom is a quality guy and he's a quality head coach. And Eric Harper was going after a guy in which I totally agree with. And I said this to myself, you have to get someone who has been a head coach before at the highest level. And the SEC is at the highest level. And, you know, we were mentioning guys you know, like Houston Nutt, other people like that who maybe have been out of the game for maybe three, four, five years, uh, but it still have ties to the game, uh, whether they're, they're involved in a consultant matter or in the broadcast realm or whatever. Well, with Barry Odom, he was a head coach of Missouri, which was his alma mater. Uh, he had been there for like 15 years, but he was a head coach there for four years. And then he went over to Arkansas immediately for the last after that job after he lost that job as three years as a defensive coordinator again in the sec so no there there's nothing wrong with barry odom just because his name wasn't mentioned because typically as we always see the fan base wants to go for the high octane guys that they know of. they're throwing out ed ogeron's name because he was at lsu he's at usc uh you know chris peterson boise state washington but those guys weren't interested in this job and, and let's be honest and i've said it time and time again it's just there are not a lot of people with a lot of head coaching experience who want big paychecks are going to be interested in rebuilding a unlv uh, program and probably jay you i think you'll agree with me here too it's not even rebuilding I mean, because it's it's never been anywhere to to rebuild, right? It would have to be something before, and I, and I don't mean disrespect with that, but that's just the nature of the program for UNLV. And and honestly, it's been one of the worst programs uh, in in the history of college football if you go back the last forty years. So it, it's it's hard to get the right guy who has who checks all those boxes that an athletic director wants. But this was not a third or fourth choice for Eric Harper. He knew Barry Odom. And give Eric Harper credit too. This guy is a former Division One football player, played at K State, so he's got an idea, and he knew what he wanted. He wanted someone who had head coaching experience. He got that. He got a good people person, someone that will be really invested into this community, and somebody who really wants the job. And Barry Oden told the told the story how he went after this job. They didn't come and recruit him. He wanted it, and Harper knew him a little bit. And they just said, hey, we're on the same page. Give me this job and let's go get it. So I think, you know, we don't know how well he's going to do, but from all the other previous head coaches they've had in recent memory, this guy comes with the best pedigree, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Did he elaborate why he wanted this job? Yeah, he did. Um, He said that, you know, basically – 
he had heard from afar how this program has really started to invest money into the football program, and he had heard about the Fertitta football complex. So when he was out here recruiting in the spring, he was recruiting a Las Vegas kid for Arkansas, and he said, hey, I want to go by the campus of UNLV and kind of hear what this is all about. So he snuck into the Fertitta football complex, and he was like blown away with the facilities there. And then after he was there for about five or ten minutes, someone came up to him and said, "Uh, I don't think you are supposed to be in here. So it was kind of a funny story, uh, but it just showed his interest. And he said, man, if this job ever comes open, I'd like to have it. And then the moment that they let Marcus Arroyo go, and of course he was well aware of Allegiant Stadium and UNLV playing their games there, and uh, he had just said that this is something that I, I, you know, I would like to be part of because, again, he wanted to be a head coach and he knew he wasn't going to get an opportunity probably at a power five school because of his 25 and 25 record of Missouri. So therefore, he knew that maybe a job in the Mountain West or, you know, a non power five uh, conference is going to come open. And when he said that, he goes, man, he goes, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take a stab at this job. So that's why he wanted it. OK. And uh, what? Or have you heard of how the players uh, have reacted? So we had a meeting with the players on Monday. They met with him at, at two thirty after he was uh, he signed the contract and everything. And his first order of business was he said that hey, I want every one of you guys to stay. And he goes, I I understand with the transfer portal, everyone you know is going to have their own choice. He goes, but I need you to stay. Those were his words. I need you to stay because I want this to be the foundation of our team, and then we can fill in, you know, um, everything else uh, outside of this. So I know that Doug Brumfield, the quarterback, said, "Hey, sounded pretty good." But there was what three UNLV kids? Well, two UNLV kids already made their mind up before they announced that Barry Odom was going to be the coach. But three kids took their name out of the transfer portal after that meeting on Monday. Okay. So some have already. Yeah. Hit, um, so we know that they put uh, their names in. You said three of them. Do we know who they are? I, I, I don't. I, I, maybe that is out there. I, I don't know. But I know that the, the two uh, uh, offensive players, I believe, uh, one running back, one wide receiver, uh, two of their better players, Last week, after their season was over, uh, said, "Hey, we're 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 out of here." Uh, so they decided to leave. Now they may change their mind. Who knows what? Because again, as we know, when you when you're a new head coach, whether it's football or basketball, you, you know you want to try to go recruit your you know re recruit your players. You know, so those guys that are on the fence. So he said he's going to make it uh, a priority uh, to do that. But uh, you know, he's working on it. But the, the players that were there on Monday, they, they seemed to buy into to what Barry was uh, talking about. Yeah, I heard that speech, and I—that's what I was talking about. I thought I was—I was pretty impressed with how he handled that and how he carried himself and and got everybody's uh, attention. Uh, so those that put their names in that transfer portal, they can change their mind. Yeah, absolutely, you can until you sign with somebody else. Okay, okay, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Okay, yeah. well, we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm glad it's not a you know a mass exodus or something like that. You know. Yeah. Um, and if, uh, Rumfield was, uh, thinking about it and then he admittedly said that after the Monday meeting, he's, he's staying. Well, he, I, he didn't say that he was staying, but he just said, Hey, you know, I, I like what coach uh, had to say, so let's see how it goes. So I, I would think if he was going to make up his mind, cause if you're going to enter that transfer portal, you get, now's the time to do it because, you know, everybody's going to be fighting for these spots. You know, so now is the time to go. You so December twenty first rolls around. That's the early signing period. You know, for high school, you know, athletes as well too. And that's another thing I liked about Barry Odom. He said, "Hey, we got to." He goes, "I've already been recruiting, you know, high schools in Las Vegas. You know, for when I was at Arkansas and even going back to Missouri." He goes, "This is a hotbed, so we want to keep the best players home." Now, granted, you know, you're probably not going to keep uh, the upper elite ones, you know, out of the, the Pac-12 or maybe even the Big Ten, but he's he, he wants to recruit this area. And I thought another thing was interesting. You may have heard this, too. He goes, I've got two young boys. I got a senior and I got a, a sophomore. My sophomore in high school right now is a quarterback. So he goes, I'm looking for a high school to put him in. He goes, so I'm going to make sure I get to know all of these high school football coaches here in Las Vegas. Yeah. Do you think... For us, when I say us, you know me, mm-hmm. right. all right, 
the UNLV program to be successful, do they need to successfully recruit in California and Texas? I definitely think so. You know, definitely because there's enough players. And we saw Tony Sanchez, you know, recruit players out of Northern California and Southern California. We saw that. And again, there's enough talent, you know, to go around there. But uh, it's going to, you know, in this modern day right now for both basketball and football, it, it's so it's so hard. Like, which direction are you going to go? I mean, you need to be successful with the recruiting the high school athletes. You know, maybe the JCs kind of suffer a little bit, but then you got this transfer portal because you got kids who are ready to play now. But the danger part about the transfer portal is, you know, you're going to have these kids probably only for maybe one or two years. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. I think you have to try to attack it equally. And, and Barry Odom talked about that, you know, yesterday as well, too. It's, it, it's tricky. It's a tricky situation, but there are a lot of kids. There's over 1200 kids in this football transfer portal right now. But there's a lot of kids that are that are hungry to play football, and if Barry Odom and UNLV can show, you know, interest in some of these kids, especially if you're coming out of a Power Five school, you may be able to get a couple gems in there. Yeah. Now, you know, speaking of this, this being tricky in this transfer portal, it's you know creating havoc for bookmakers. Yes. The yeah. bowl game. You know, last year's bowl games were a disaster. One of the worst, if not the worst ever for bookmakers because these transfer portals were, um, the players were making announcements and sometimes, you know, they're, uh, well, a lot of times they're key, in, uh, players and this, this is information, right? So right. there's information out there. Who's going to stay? Who's going to play? Who's going to not, you know, who's going to sit on the sidelines for the bowl game? Cause I don't want to, you know, get injured for the draft, all these type of things. But it's all information. And so what happened last year was this information was leaking out at times. And, you know, we would get, you know, we would get a, a spike in wagers on, you know, on or against certain teams because of this information. And then two days later, you know, you're like, oh, geez, you know, 10 guys aren't going to play for Tennessee, you know, or something along those lines. And we, we really were on the short end of things. Um, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the super book. I'm talking about the industry. Yes. The industry. It was one of, the, I got a call from gaming. I remember at the end of last, um, December and they're going, what is going on? Why are the books losing money? <laughs> you know, this month. And I told them, and I was like, this is, this is what's happening. So we're trying again to stay on top of it, uh, but that information is out there, and uh, you, you'll see again. You're going to see lines move. Some of these lines last year moved like 17 points. <laughs> I know, and say, I remember this. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, it it and on top of that, even though the line has already been adjusted. It's moved seven points. It's moved 10 points. It's moved a dozen points. People hear this information that come in and they go, Oh, I'm going to bet, you know, Tennessee because, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Memphis has 10 guys leaving. It's like they, they don't realize that we've already adjusted the line 10 <laughs> points. And so they, you know, so they just kept on betting these things and we're like, okay, but they, it just seemed like, you know, four out of five games went their way, and uh, the books were really on the short end of things. And no, I'm not looking for sympathy. I'm just <laughs> trying to explain what happened. I I know everyone says, "Oh, what uh, the, the the betters? You want the betters to feel sorry for you, bookmakers? Is that the deal? Well, quit taking our yeah. money." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I know it's early on. You know, since they just announced the college football playoff last Sunday and the bowl games and everything. Have you, and again, at the Superbook, I mean, you guys are like at the forefront of taking sharp action, taking large wagers. Have you seen any significant bets on either the two semifinal games or any of the bowl games thus far? No, we, um, we took, uh, I, I know the Georgia game, there were some sevens out there. We thought seven was a little too high. So we opened six and a half and we took a sizable bet on Georgia. Um, and there were some um, sizable bets 
and we would consider them a sharp play on TCU. We opened we opened at uh, nine and a half, and it's down to eight now. As some some uh, pretty sizable bets came in on the Horn Frogs. Wow! So you know, early action there, and again, now th- that has nothing to do with transfer portal stuff because you're not really going to see those two games. But like you mentioned here, I would say probably within the next week or so, you're probably going to be getting that information where certain players are going to opt out and not play, and that's going to have a, an effect in the line. I'll tell you one one game, Jay, that you don't have to worry about. That you can pretty much make your line and and, and have it set and hope to get two way action because. There's a game coming up, as you know, this weekend that you don't have to worry about guys opting out for the NFL draft. That's Army and Navy, baby. You're not going to have any of that. <laughs> and, and another thing which you get in that game, too, I wish we could put like an over-under on the length of the game because with those two teams being so disciplined, they usually play the game in about two and a half hours, you know, because well, no and kidding. they run the yeah, ball, cause... run the ball. There's no penalties. You got to love it. The Yeah, the ball never hits the turf in that game. I mean, it's just... It's just... <laughs> It's like a running clock. It might as well be, right? right? It's just crazy. I, I will say this. I, you know, the Las Vegas Bowl, Florida, Oregon State, yeah. that's one that actually has moved because there has been some announcements out of Florida. Okay, I think their QB and uh, a couple other players have opted out of that game, and that game has moved from 9.5 to 11. So uh, keeping with the theme, and, and this is definitely just the tip of the iceberg. We know it's going to happen. Uh, but, um, yeah, I wish, I wish more games were like, uh, army Navy, um, and being an air force brat, I saw a number of air force army, air force Navy games over the years, and they always did seem to go fast. You know, they just, it just kept on going, you know, they just clock just kept on running, but, uh, it's great. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed them. Um, you know, a lot of people might not think that, especially when we were going, they were really low scoring games. But I thought I found them very interesting. I uh, uh, speak of low score. I believe what what the totals are right, around thirty three in this game. But and it's been under. I mean, I don't know the exact number, but I think it's what you have five of the last six years. This thing has gone under the total, and you keep lowering it and lowering it. But it makes perfect sense. I mean, neither team wants to throw the football. Like I said, the clock runs a lot. They're very disciplined teams. You don't see a lot of penalties. And what I like about this game, Jay, is that you don't see a lot of the showmanship and the showboating. I mean, these guys are there to play football. The pageantry is great, you know, before. You know, some people don't care about that stuff, but I'm one of those traditionalists. I love that stuff. And then when the game is over, I mean, they're, they're standing there, uh, and they're both saluting, you know, um, their fan base and the flags and, and their, fight songs and that that sort of thing i mean it's just you know i mean they'll say hey you know beat army beat navy and all year long but then they play the game then after it's over they're shaking hands and it's just a cool environment and it's 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 180 degrees from what we normally get in in any other sports realm yeah i mean i i um i really enjoy that as well i I mean there's there's no doubt a lot of respect and and one of my favorite things in sports is the, you know, the playoff games, the hockey games, you know, and, and, you know, how they beat up each other in, you know, a series and then they shake hands. I, I got to tell you that that just reminded me of the story of my son when I, when I recorded the Red Wings and as when it was really a heated rivalry back in the early 2000s. And, um, I told him not to say anything because I said, Hey, I go, don't say a word to me. I don't want to know. And he goes, I, re- I go recorded the game. He goes, Dad, I didn't see a thing. He goes, Don't worry, I didn't see a thing. And uh, of course, you know, he blurts out, um, I only saw them shaking hands. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my wife just looked right at me, and I looked right at her. Because I thought, are you? You got to be kidding me. Because obviously yeah. that wasn't a game seven, so it had to be early. It wasn't a game seven. That's it, it was game six. There it is. It was three to two, Detroit. And uh, yeah. I hope you didn't punish the kid. I hope you didn't like, you know, send him to his room without uh, food or anything of that nature, Dad. I mean, come on, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, we haven't talked in twenty years, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, awesome. it, was a, it was a great story because uh, uh, one of our great friends that we lost uh, earlier this year, Brian Blessing, mm-hmm. um, he um, uh, loved that story. 
he always made me tell that story. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it was so good. All right. But, um, Speaking of Jay Cornegay, the vice president at the world famous Superbook uh, joins us. Uh, Jay, uh, speaking of tradition and everything, we're back to World Cup action tomorrow morning, and we're down to our whatever they call it in soccer, the Elite Eight or whatever it is. But it's our it's our final eight. Uh, how's the handle been, and uh, what are you expecting uh, for tomorrow? Yeah, I'm just bringing that. I'm, I'm just bringing that up right now, and I, as you can imagine. A lot of tickets on Brazil, a lot of tickets on Argentina tomorrow. Um, in fact, I would uh, do some quick math here. It looks like about 93% of the tickets are on Brazil, not as overwhelming uh, in, in the Argentina-Netherlands game, uh, but I would say about uh, 80% of the tickets are on Argentina. It's really starting to pick up. I, I, I looked at it um what was it yesterday? And it was kind of quiet, but it really has picked up today. Again, that makes sense because the first game, Brazil and Croatia, you know, um, starts at seven and you have the, uh, Argentina Netherlands game following that tomorrow at 11. So pretty solid action, uh, as, as expected, especially when you got Brazil and Argentina playing on the same day. But you got two live dogs too. And we saw Croatian, uh, Croatia beat Japan. Uh, I was uh, very happy with that because that's, that's, that's my heritage right there. So I got the Germans and the Croatians. The, those are my guys. And, uh, who, maybe I might show up at the Westgate tomorrow wearing my Croatia jersey. Yeah. That, that, that might happen tomorrow, depending on the result. <laughs> there it is. But, uh, I think they're a live dog and Netherlands are, are a live dog as well too. And as we've seen, Jay, in this World Cup, especially this World Cup, I, the favorites are not a sure thing. Just ask no. Spain. Yeah, absolutely not. We've, we've seen a number of upsets and uh, that Morocco team, uh, you know, they're pretty impressive really. Oh, yes. Um, yes. We, uh, what did we take the other day? Um, they were plus three dollars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think, I like uh, oh, yeah. No, I, I, to win it all, they were a hundred to one. Oh to yeah, win it all. to win it all, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and uh, I don't know, I bet a thousand dollars or something, something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. but um, no, I mean, yeah, there's no locks here, and we are in the quarterfinals now, and uh, with only eight teams left, um, you know, you, you you have to have something, you know, to be here. And uh, Croatia and the Netherlands certainly. Uh, fit that role where they could easily pull off an upset. All right, looking forward to it tomorrow, and we'll be there at the uh, the tail end of that uh, Argentina-Netherlands game. It goes at 11. It'll be done right around 1. Who uh, That that game could still be going when we get on the air at 2 tomorrow, Jay, if we go into penalty kicks. You never know. could still be going. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're sure. You never know. I, we've had some wild shootouts in hockey uh, lately, but, uh, uh, yeah, that was – those things get crazy, but uh, I – yeah, I'd like to. I, you know, I'm looking at both totals, and they look low to me for some reason. But I know you can't post three. I, I thought Argentina Netherlands at two over was a little light, but uh, um, you know, I, I know that uh, they both are very strong defensively. But with all that skill out there, you would think that uh, it would still be two and a half, two and a half under uh, would be probably my number. But uh, the Brazil Croatia game, two and a half over is the, the, the favorite there. I'm, I'm seeing two and a half over 30 there. That, that's another game we, I, I would see, like to see, well, like three or four goals, something right. like that. Right. So, yeah, gonna be some, I, I think they're a little light. It'll be some quality soccer uh, tomorrow and uh, throughout the weekend uh, with the quarterfinals. All right, final thing here, Jay, before we let you go real quick, Raiders and Rams tonight. Raiders a six-and-a-half-point favorite, but we understand why they've won three in a row. The Rams have lost six in a row. Rams really don't have a quarterback here. Uh, give us uh, the action here. Uh, what kind of money you see seeing coming in on these teams? Well, um, I tell you, it's been all Raiders so far, and I, I guess that's they expected that it's been such a roller coaster relationship uh, with the betters and the Raiders this year. You know, they were all gung ho on them early, and obviously they struggled, and then they really struggled for a while there. They just couldn't get a W. And now they went three in a row, and now they're all popping back up again. And they certainly are on this game. Let me uh, bring it up here and looking at it. Um, we we did take a couple of bigger wagers on the Rams at six and a half um, yesterday, but still uh, they haven't caught up to what we've seen on the Raiders so far. So we're sitting at six and a half and forty one. That total continues to drop. 
Um, but, uh, yeah, six and a half and 41. Um, I know that, uh, last night and this morning there were some sevens right. out there, but they all disappeared. We were at seven as well this morning. And, uh, so when we, we took a, a pretty sizable bet on the Rams at plus six and a half and, uh, um, some money on them at plus seven as well. And we dropped down about eight thirty this morning. We dropped down to eight and a half, and it's been sitting there ever since. I'll say this about the Rams: I mean, they're banged up. We know that quarterback issues galore. Whether we'll see Baker Mayfield or not, I I don't know. But the bottom line is, the Rams have played some close games. They really haven't gotten blown out. So you know, we'll see if the Rams play hard. I know a lot of people think, oh, the Rams have already kind of mailed it in. But uh, again, you know, they're 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 they've lost a lot of one score games. So. It'll be interesting to yeah. see. The Raiders as a road favorite is highly unusual, but again, I guess deservedly so, considering they've won three in a row and the Rams have lost six in a row. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be, a, you know, I'm sure we'll see Raider Nation tonight, you know, out there, and they're going to probably be close to 50-50, I would think, Yeah, uh, especially with the Rams, you know, tanking the way they are. But I do agree with you. The Rams are playing. They played really hard last week against, uh, was that Seahawks? Seahawks, I mean, yeah. They, they were really, you know, I, you couldn't tell that that was a team with a, you know, a, a losing record. Do you, I thought they played a pretty solid game. They ended up on the short end. Uh, we'll see how they bounce back because that was quite an effort by them last week. Um, but, you know, we, we did see some sharp, we seen sharp money on both sides. I mean, five and a half was the opening number, and we definitely took some sharp money at five and a half and six. Uh, but we got some uh, bigger plays on the Rams, uh, you know, coming back. So um, interesting game for a Thursday night, especially for all the local fans here. Um, I think that the total seems a little low, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. I appreciate it, Jay. As always, look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow, you and John Murray. And we'll be out there from 2 to 4 p.m. Great stuff, my friend. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Great talking to you, TC. You got it, brother. There he is, Jay Cornegay, the vice president of sportsbook operations there at the Westgate Las Vegas, the world famous Superbook. We come back. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We start handicapping week number 14 of the NFL. Let's try to diagnose some winners. Hi, this is Lonnie Jordan from the band War, and you are listening to the TC Martin Show. That's the beat. Week 14 of the NFL, and actually starts tonight with the Raiders and the Rams. Looking forward to that game. We'll talk about that game and more with our handicapper extraordinaire, the one and only Scott Spritzer. Scooter, what's going on, my man? What's happening? How's it going, TC? Uh, it's going good, man. All right. So I, I know that you're going to be up early tomorrow morning. Uh, well, what, what do you mean up early? I mean, Scott's always up late. Does this mean you're not <laughs> going to get any sleep? Or are you going to adjust your sleep pattern? Because we've got quarterfinals, World Cup action tomorrow, my friend. And I know you're going to have some action on it. Well, yeah. I mean, the only reason, uh, the only thing I don't like about it getting to the quarterfinals is those 2 a.m. Pacific time starts are done with. And that was right in my wheelhouse. Being able to watch World Cup action at 2 o'clock in the morning, can't beat that. So, yeah, this game's going at 7 a.m. our time. And, uh, listen, I'm kind of thinking that Brazil wins to nil is the best bet of that game. Uh, just having to shut out Croatia in the win, which is plus $1.15. Now, easier said than done, but as far as the value, I think that's the best in that matchup. And, you know, there's no need to talk about how great Brazil is, but Croatia's solid, anemic on offense. They don't have an offensive player they can truly count on when facing the best of the world. And then, you know, you look at Brazil, they've won seven of the last 11 by shutout. You know, it's, it's stars got a ton of rest in that second half uh, against South Korea the other day. So this team is going to be fresh, ready to go. Croatia off the big battle. And, and I just think they end up winning the game by, uh, by shutout and plus a buck 15. Not a bad way to go with that. You know, Croatia is going to kind of take the same mindset, not so much what they did to Japan because they, but they're going to probably take the mindset that Morocco did against Spain. And Morocco was exactly what you kind of described. They're kind of, you know, void on offense a little bit, but you know, tremendous defensively. And their whole goal was just to get that to extra time and then get it to, to penalty kicks or kicks on the spot is the proper terminology. And that's what they did. And their strategy worked perfectly. And I could see maybe Croatia trying to take that, that type of approach uh, as well. 
I think that would be the smart way to do it. This is why soccer has not taken off in America because teams play for the shootout. Yeah. You know, and it's a good strategy when you consider Croatia. I mean, if they just came out and played head to head with Brazil, they're going to get wiped off the pitch. It won't even be close. It'll be five to one or something of that nature. But if they can just sit back and, you know, do what they do in Spain and just kind of kick the ball around midfield, don't attack and give up a, to use a soccer term, don't give up a, a man advantage at the other end. You know, when you've turned the ball over because you're attacking and you can't get back in time to defend on a turnover. So they just sit around midfield. They play kick the ball back and forth to each other and they hope to get the penalty kicks, you know, or you got kind of almost a 50 50 chance. So, it's funny because I'm a soccer fan. I know you are. Uh, love when World Cup rolls around every four years. But I can certainly understand why America doesn't like soccer all that much because, you know, this is almost like putting a guy on second to start extra innings. <laughs> but up, up, you know, so it's, um, it, it's for me, it's like I hate that style of play. You know, the reason I like kind of like, you know, EPL is because they don't just stand around in the middle of the field and play kick kick with each other, the teammates, and hope to get things to go to extra time or whatever. And, and so that's, you know, what you get sometimes when you get these World Cup matchups. And Morocco did it well. Um, Brazil, much better team than Spain. I just, I don't think Croatia can get it done, but I think that's their best, uh, best choice of attack in this one. Yeah. And again, I, I'm not sure they're going to result to that. I mean, the way Morocco did it was to perfection and they weren't, they weren't hiding it. You know, I mean, that's right. A, I mean, when you see a team who has 75% possession, usually that is, like you said, a five nil game or five one game or something like that. But to see nil nil for a team has 75%, I mean, yeah. Morocco just, again, that was their MO and, Croatia really doesn't play that way, but you know they play more of that that European style where they're hey they're going to try to take their chances. But yeah, it's not going to be up and down the pitch because, like you said, it could go sideways on it. But that's, for me, this is uh, like you love the World Cup, but I what I love about the World Cup is the styles of play and the. Um, how contradictory they could be, or the contrast, I should say, you know, and that's what you what you're going to get with this, and and that's interesting, and you know, in coaching and discipline comes into play, and I think a lot of people, like I said, a lot of Americans who really don't care for soccer or don't understand it, they're just uh, okay, I, I can't watch this stuff, but if you you know dive into this and and you follow it, you could see that there's a lot of gamesmanship. Uh, that's involved in this sport. Yeah, I, I think it would catch on better if there was a shot clock. And I'm not talking 30 seconds because you got a big field to cover. Right. But, you know, if there was some, and it'll never happen, but if there was, you know, this is when MLS was getting started. I was like, man, if they could just institute some kind of a you know, two-minute shot clock or something along those lines and, and force teams to get up and down the field a little bit and actually have to play the game other than playing catch with each other, you know, then I think it would catch on more in a place like the States, but being able to just take the air out of the ball for almost an entire game, it could get a little boring. It can, you know, and, and I don't know, man, there's just too many things that we could do in the States. Otherwise, you know, basketball, football, baseball, everything, they had to sit there and watch a weak team, or I shouldn't say weak. I don't mean weak when I talk about the World Cup this deep into it, but a lack, lack less of talented team yeah. stand around right. and play catch yeah. because they want to get to penalty shots. So, yeah. You know, penalty shots bother me too. It's fun. It's exciting. But you just played, you know, 90 minutes. And then, of course, even more than that, when it comes to this deep in the World Cup, you can play 115 minutes of soccer and a team is playing just to take penalty shots or from the spot, as they say. <laughs> and that's another thing. Move it back. My gosh. Your goalie <laughs> either guesses right or he doesn't. There's no skill. It's guess right or you don't when it comes to the goalie. And so it's like, move that back away from the goal a little bit too. So I'm a soccer fan, but I'm saying these are the things I don't like about it. And I can understand why a lot of people look the other way and don't even pay attention. And part of that is that stupid penalty shot spot is way too close to the net. And all you're doing is asking that goalie to guess which, which, you know, which way the guy's going to kick the ball. And, you know, and, and it, it, you would like to see a little bit more skill involved than guesswork. Yeah. All right. Scott Spritzer joins us talking a little World Cup. And, uh, Scott, before we get into the NFL, let's talk a little, uh, one game on the docket, uh, Saturday, college football. It's a standalone game. And 
again, kind of like World Cup, you you know, you, you like it, you don't like it. It's Army Navy, and a lot of people, eh, I don't care for watching that style. But you know, for me, I like it. You know, again, I love I love the traditional um, the the pageantry. I love the respect. And uh, I was just joking with Jay Cornegay that you should put like an under over on on time of uh, the game because with uh, both teams running the football, both very very disciplined. You don't see a bunch of flags. You don't see a bunch of showboating. You can put two hours and twenty minutes probably on there and and have uh, get two way action. Maybe the under because it's always low scoring game and these things kind of just fly. But I enjoy you know, still watching a, a form of the Veer or the Wishbone or whatever you want to call it. But uh, Army Name, are you going to be involved on Saturday? I think it's fun when it's run well, option football. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, as far as this game, yeah, definitely I'll be watching. I'm involved in it. I, I want to ask Jay Cordigay at what point, how many more unders do you need in a row? I think it's, what, 16 in a row or right, whatever. Right. And that total keeps coming down. It's down to 32 and a half. How many more unders do we need before we see a 29 and a half you know, between these two teams? But uh, listen, I, I gotta, uh, I'm not going to bet the over, but I got a little bit of a feeling that it does get over the total just because this total has come down. And the average points, I think, is around 34 uh, when these teams do play each other over the last 15 or 16 games. I mean, the shocker, both teams run the football first and foremost. You know, But listen, you got Navy seventh in rushing yards per game, Army second. But to me, T.C., the one huge difference, and I think it'll likely decide the game, is that Navy is one of the best in the country against the run. They're holding opponents to less than 86 rushing yards per game. It's the fourth stingiest run defense in college football. And as far as Army's defense is concerned, it's like a sieve against the run. They're 115th in the country, allowing about 194 rushing yards per contest. Navy's played the much tougher schedule. Uh, they're on a nice 7-2 spread run. Didn't start the season too well, but they finished up much better. And if you look at that game against Notre Dame where they lost 35-32 and covered the spread, they actually outrushed the Irish 255-66. to It was 5.5 yards per carry for Navy, 1.9 yards per carry for Dame. They pulled the upset in the most recent game over uh, Central Florida. 14.5 point dog wins outright. Outrushed Central Florida 248-84. to I think that's going to be the difference is their ability to stop the run and Army's inability to stop opposing ground games. And, of course, you could have had this at plus one, I believe it was, plus one and a half. I got down on it at pick, uh, but I still think at less than three, uh, Navy's the right side here. I agree with you. We're, we're on the same side here uh, for those reasons that you just described, Scott. And also let's throw in, too, Navy has played the tougher schedule. Uh, than Army oh, yeah. is as well no too. So uh, I, I'll be I'll be looking forward to that on Saturday. All right, tonight we've got Raiders and Rams. Uh, to the naked eye, it seems a little strange when the line first came out. Oh, Raiders a, a touchdown road favorite here, but again, makes sense. Uh, Rams have lost six in a row, got all kinds of injury problems. Uh, the Raiders have won three in a row. Um, we see the Rams. They play hard every week. They played hard last week, nearly won the game. Maybe you could make the argument they should have beat Seattle last week. Uh, they don't get blown out, uh, believe it or not. So do you think that the Rams could be a live dog despite all the injuries and despite who knows who is playing at quarterback? Maybe you could be playing quarterback. I don't know, Scott. <laughs> uh, do you have a 10-day contract in you anywhere? I'm ready for it, man. Show me the money. <laughs> but uh, listen, I, you know, I understand why the books have to make the number where they do. Uh, but if, you know, me not taking bets and, and just looking to try to beat the books, I don't have to worry about perception and where the bets are going to come in. And I thought the line should have been about four and a half instead of where it is now, six and a half. And uh, listen, as you said, the Rams are going to still play hard. Uh, there's no difference, that big of a difference, at least to me, between Stafford and his backups, Wolford, for instance, because Stafford was having such a bad season with his top target being out, doesn't have the same receiving uh, core that he had last year. So what we saw out of Stafford isn't the typical difference in lines when he steps off the field. you got to get like Wolford coming into play or Baker Mayfield, who's listed as available. You know, it's just not that big of a difference in the context of what's going on with the Rams this season. Obviously, last year it would have been a big difference. But I, I can't trust Derek Carr laying this many points on the road. I just can't do it. I know they've won a few games in a row now. Uh, they've lost seven in a row as road chalk against the spread, and they've only won two of those seven games outright as road favorites. So I don't think that I can trust them laying the points. TCI ended up passing, but I almost made a play on the Rams, and I'm not going to do that in the next hour and a half before game time. I'm just going to go ahead and pass it, and I've had really good success for the most part 
on Thursday night NFL football this year. But as much as I looked at it, I'm like, there's no way I'm trusting the Raiders. The number's above my power rating by two points. But I just don't want the Rams right now because they don't have an offense. And by the way, in his career, I mentioned how the Rams, have, I mean, the Raiders have lost seven in a row against the spread as road chalk. Derek Carr, in his career as a road favorite, he's only covered five of 18. You know, so the Raiders are hot, but I, don't, I still don't think they're that good. And I certainly don't want to lay almost a touchdown with them on the road. No, and you're right. And they beat uh, one team with a, a winning record, and well, not even a winning record anymore because the Chargers were six and six now. Right, they were six and five coming into that game. So I'm with you on that as well too. So a slight lean for me with the Rams. It's hard to pull the trigger because of all the injuries, and then I don't like betting on on backup quarterbacks. But uh, right. it, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. All right, let's take a look at a couple more games on the NFL side. And you know, I know a lot of people are talking about. The Detroit Lions, they're, they're actually a favorite over the Minnesota Vikings. Well, uh, does that make sense to you, Scott, or not? I actually made a play on the Lions this week, and okay. I went against the Vikings last week, too, and I've got spots uh, on the top of my head where the hair is missing because I've been scratching so hard to figure out how they won the game against the Jets. And I've also got you know spots where I was pulling my hair out <laughs> watching the Jets blow that game against Minnesota. Uh, they've lived on the edge. I mean, they're what, 9-0? I'm not the first one to say this, but 9-0 in one-possession games. Their metrics are near the bottom of the league. Uh, the Jets outgained Minnesota last week 486-287. to Six trips in the red zone, scored on one of those, and only lost by five. They had, of course, the ball at the one-yard line, and second and goal, third and goal, fourth and goal, bad play calling. They end up not being able to gain a yard to get in the end zone. Uh, they throw an interception, they you know drop pass in the end zone, all that stuff uh, that worked in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. So it is an overrated football team. And then the Lions, they've covered five in a row, and they beat the spread by more than 12 points per game during this 5-0 spread streak where they're 4-1 straight up. And the thing about Detroit, all season long, I've been talking about on shows that the offensive line has not been bad. It's been pretty good all season. Now they're finally getting some help from a defense that has improved as the season has progressed. So I think we got an overvalued Minnesota team. I think the point spread shows it. And uh, I went ahead and backed Detroit. It's not a top play, but it's a play nonetheless. Minnesota, the worst 10-2 and team we've probably ever seen, Scott. Yeah, in my lifetime, I think. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Tampa Bay, San Francisco. Obviously, you know, San Francisco has got quarterback issues, and we've kind of seen this in years past with teams who have a quarterback who gets thrown into the mix in the middle of a game, and he does pretty well. We saw that with Brock Purdy, the rookie out of Iowa State, and they took it to the Dolphins. And again, Dolphins, another team, really haven't beaten anybody with a winning record, and San Francisco shellacked them last week, even with Brock Purdy. But what we normally see, Scott, and I'm sure you probably have numbers to back this trend up, when that quarterback comes back a, a, for a second game, it usually doesn't go well, and even games after that, because teams have basically almost a full game of, of tape on him now and, and can prepare accordingly. Uh, are you buying into that? And let's consider, though, they are playing the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers, who were lucky to get a win last week, and they got a win, but they have just been miserable all season long. The number is San Francisco at three and a half. San Francisco is even though Jimmy Garoppolo is not playing, the more healthier team, the more talented team, the better team. How do you see this game? Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the total and you see like 37 and a half and you think it's going to be another low-scoring Tampa Bay game for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. The offense for San Francisco is probably going to be bogged down a bit by, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, uh, having played last week and, and put all of what he does on game film for Tampa Bay to study. And Tampa Bay's defense can be awfully tough at times. And, and so I look at that, I'm thinking, okay, Brock Purdy is more mobile than Jimmy G. He can escape uh, some of the pressure that he's going to feel, but he might pull it down and run a little bit too early because he doesn't have success at the NFL level. I mean, it was fantastic and set records at Iowa State, uh, but it's his second really game where he goes up against a good defense now, and I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game. And just like last week with Tampa Bay, it's like if that defense plays well and they can hold San Francisco to 20 or less, I'll take Tom Brady in that spot over over a guy like Brock Purdy. And that's no knock against Purdy. It's just you're going up against the GOAT. And if you're talking a low-scoring game where only a couple of plays need to be made and I can get more than a field goal, which Tampa Bay is, they're getting three and a half, as good as that Niners defense is at some point, San Francisco is going to have to put up some points. And I'll take I'll take Brady in a situation like that. So 
haven't played this game, don't know if I will, but my recommendation would be take the three and a half with Tampa Bay and what I think is going to be a low-scoring game. Okay, Scott Spritzer joins us, Doc Sports. You can subscribe to, to Scott's plays at DocSports.com. Uh, give us another game or two, Scott, that you're kind of leaning towards on Sunday. Yeah, I'll tell you, one of the games I'm looking at for Sunday, and it's, you got to lay a lot of points here, but it is Kansas City over Denver. They're laying nine, nine and a half. And, you know, Denver hung around last week, almost upset Baltimore outright, had nothing to do with the Denver offense. I mean, Russell Wilson, that offense continues to stink it up, and I'm betting they'll struggle badly again. Uh, the Chiefs coming in bounce back mode. Here's the thing about Kansas City. Off their last six losses this year and going back to last year, they're six and zero straight up. They score 34 points per game. They allow 11 points per game in those six games. So a 23 point per game average difference or scoring margin. Uh, Mahomes never lost to Denver. He's nine and zero, and this season the Chiefs are averaging about six yards per play. They're number one in passing yards per game, total yards per game, and points per game. And I think Mahomes and the offense will have Denver's defense figured out. And Denver's been excellent on defense, but how long can that defense keep playing, especially against a quarterback like Mahomes and an offense like Kansas City's when you get no help at all from your own offense? And I think they're going to just wear them down in the second half. And then Casey's defense is outstanding against the run. They get to the quarterback. Well, if Denver can't run at all, they got to pass. They don't have a passing game. Wilson has eight touchdown passes in 12 games. His team average is less than 14 points per game. They've scored more than 16 just two times this entire season. I think Kansas City, even though that number's up there, ends up winning this game. I mean, I think all they got to do basically is score 21 points and they cover that nine and a half. All right. Uh, so we're getting reports out of Los Angeles that uh, the Rams said they want to go through pregame warmups to see how John Wolford is uh, with his uh, injured neck. And uh, right now, uh, Baker Mayfield is getting a majority of the reps in pregame. And it actually is looking like Baker Mayfield may get the start tonight, Scott, uh, against yeah. the Raiders. How I'm crazy just glad is that? I didn't mess with this game, man. <laughs> you know, I really am glad I didn't mess with this game. You know, if Baker Mayfield was as good as he was in college, San Francisco nabs him before the Rams get a chance mm-hmm. once Jimmy G went down. So I'll just sit back and watch this game a little bit, be watching some NBA and some uh, some college basketball, probably more than the Raiders and Rams since I won't be in action. But uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, man. I mean, Wolford's not a big drop-off from Stafford. Probably Baker Mayfield isn't, and they announced early today that he was available to play. So kind of had an inkling, and that's what kept me off the Rams, that Wolford wouldn't be playing tonight. You got it. All right, Scott, I appreciate you. As always, my friend, great uh, having you on each and every Thursday. Of course, Scott's part of our best bets. You can check out his best bets and all of our crew at tcmartinshow.com. Brother, have a good one. Enjoy the weekend. Good luck, man. Take care. You got it. There it is. And uh, root for some goals on the soccer pitch. Instead of nil-nil. All right, got all of that uh, to look forward to. And looking forward to being at the Westgate tomorrow, like we do, our Friday home each and every Friday. Jay Schrader will be in the house. Join us, the former quarterback, best bet segment, Marco D'Angelo, and along with John Murray, the executive director of the sports book, uh, the super book there at the Westgate Las Vegas. All right, I want to thank Marky Mark on the other side of the glass. And uh, we'll be back at it again tomorrow. Come out, see the show live at the Westgate of Las Vegas. Get ready for a big NFL weekend. And, of course, uh, Golden Knights uh, coming off that loss last night. Be back in action Friday and then also Sunday, 5 o'clock, against the Boston Bruins. Best record in the NHL. Looking forward to being out there on Sunday as well. All right. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy. And if you miss any part of the shows, the interviews, everything is up there for you at tcmartinshow.com. <laughs>